Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I love his ceiling. Uh, they don't make many guys the way they make David Montgomery. I mean, he's, uh, he's, he's a special player. I don't want to put a ceiling on him because I just know this. We believe on, believe in him, and I was not the only one. There's a lot of people that saw a lot of good in, in David Montgomery. And all of our personnel, Ryan Pace, uh, our coaches, we just we were hoping that he was going to be able to slip to us uh, at that position where we were at in, in the draft. And so now he gets here last year, and it's never easy as a rookie to come into this, and it's just a totally different game and just into the system we were doing. That's Matt Nagy talking about the running back that he doesn't know how to use in a running game he doesn't care about, who's now hurt and can't use him, and who knows when he'll use him. So it's all it's all just a bunch of nonsense with Matt Nagy talking about running backs. And we really love him. We have no idea what to do with him. And there we go. That Saturday suckage at its finest. Matt Nagy talking about the running game and a running back. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody, Chicago Sports Radio. 670 the score this update before we talk some football and i do want to but we will talk with josh nelson of socks machine later on this hour there is a we had talked about other trade targets socks were interested in reportedly lance lynn's name came up uh john morosi suggested that uh or reported that tweeted that out john Heyman mentioned robbie ray of the diamondbacks which is a scary thing but he's left-handed and then Dylan Bundy's name just popped up. John Morosi said the White Sox apparently, I mean, if you're going Dylan Bundy, then you're serious, as we talked about earlier with Rick Hahn. Dylan Bundy is averaging 10.3 strikeouts per nine innings. He's got a war, war of 1.2. 44 strikeouts, eight walks. This is, this is a guy, and he's pitching for the Angels this year, Joe Madden's Angels. We'll talk with Josh Nelson about that and other rumors about Sox's need for an arm as Mark fears Reynaldo Lopez showing up in somebody's playoff starting rotation. Nope. That is a non... Uh, this, this works in many ways. That is a non-starter. A non-starter to talk about. He is a non-starter. And no, I don't want to play the... Oh, just put him in the bullpen. He'll be great in the bullpen. No. No. Not that either. No. I mean, no. when, when you watch him, when you watch him, he, he is missing the glove that the he's getting away with the mistakes sometimes because he does throw hard occasionally. 
but you will not get away with those mistakes when you are in the postseason, when you are missing the spots to which you're allowed to miss your spots sometimes. But I have seen Ronaldo Lopez missing the the big, large glove behind the plate way too many times. <laughs> it happened too many times last night over his four innings. The numbers don't look bad. But if your eyes, if you were zeroed in on Reynaldo Lopez, that is not the guy you. And I've given him time. I've given. I was very optimistic about Reynaldo Lopez coming into the season. Like, let's reclaim this. Let's get back to where he was before last year because he's got some devastating stuff. Forget it. Never mind. Not this year. Fix him in the off season. But for now, yeah, let him go a few innings a game. That's fine. He won't crush you during the regular season, but uh, I don't want to see him called in the postseason. No thanks. No, in the offseason, don't you want to have Lucas Giolito walk up to him and go, hey, I got a guy. <laughs> That's who I would listen yeah. to. Lucas yes. Giolito says, I got a guy. That's what I'm – oh, yeah, okay. Let me know. Right, I will take right. his number. Cold play. I can fix you. So what, exactly. Yeah. Boom. So, anyways, it was, um, it was just stunning and sad um, to hear that Chadwick Boseman passed away and and more remarkable what that he was filming these spectacular movies all of the roles he had almost all of them for the last five, four years were done while he was fighting cancer he had been going through cancer and he had been had been dealing with weight gains and losses whether he's Thurgood Marshall or whether he was the the Black Panther it's just it's an unbelievable whether he was Chala or whether he was Jackie Robinson or, or I forgot, he played Vontae Mack. Vontae Mack, no matter what. I forgot, he was the guy Kevin Costner insisted on getting in Draft Day. Now, Draft Day was a clown college of a movie, right? Like the mom walking through the facility on Draft Day and... Kevin Costner directing his income to poops to go look at tape of stuff they should have done a year earlier. But I've often thought that Ryan Pace should draft Vontae Mack, no matter what. Because I'd rather have him draft a fake linebacker than a real quarterback. I don't want him to do that again. This week... There was a quarterback derby continuing. So update us on what you're allowed to talk about, or what happened, or what you what what you saw, and what you think the coaches saw, Mark. Neither quarterback has distinguished himself from the other. That's what oh, I would that say. That sucks. Both, yeah. Well, both. I would say that if I was forced to use a word, both quarterbacks have looked exactly average. As in, sometimes <laughs> they're good. Sometimes no. they're bad, and that Jeez. means it's average. There's been nothing outstanding from either quarterback, so that's what I have seen. So I, at this point, I don't know. They are scrimmaging out at Soldier Field today. Steve, I didn't want to leave you alone, so I am here <laughs> hosting with you while our Chris Emma is out at Soldier Field observing the what they'll call a controlled scrimmage. It's probably not going to be a traditional scrimmage where anything goes. They're going to put the team in certain scenarios at certain like all of a sudden they'll be on the 20 yard line then they'll stop all the whistle and say all right hurry up offense or they'll move the ball to the red okay red zone offense red zone defense you know jimmy graham play you know so that that's the way it's going to work and it'll be interesting to hear what the reporters out there are saying and then we'll all be on uh, zoom calls with the quarterbacks are speaking today so then that that uh, will happen later on so we'll get an update from them on where they think they are if 
either of them feels that they have the edge going into September 13th. But anybody who tells you that they can decipher who has, has had the edge or who has been better out there is kidding themselves because there just hasn't been enough from either. The, the essence of this, what it comes down to, because this is so different, and in, in that there are no preseason games, you will learn nothing really from practice. The guy would have to completely go all full Mike Glennon on you to know he sucks. He would have to be, you know, throw the ball directly into the turf on a, uh, on a guy open. Because what's missing at some point when you judge quarterbacks, whether it's what, whatever kind of game you're playing, even if it's a ridiculous preseason game and you're only going to be in there for two series, I think it was Tom Thayer made the point. There is no fear in the quarterbacks that they're going to get hurt or they're going to have a minimum, a lot less time to make a decision and then get hit. And that is missing from this. When you say controlled scrimmage, my subtext is that the quarterbacks are not going to go down. And until that fear exists, you won't know who your best quarterback is. I don't think. I don't know how they do that. I don't know the, how they incorporate that into deciding who their best quarterback is if you're not allowed to hit them if they don't have to perform under the fear of getting tackled or getting hit or getting hurt or having a, a band in the pocket. How do they? How are they going to factor this in, Mark? No, you're right. It's, a, it's completely conflicting. And I this is one of those times where I see both sides. You're right. They're, and Tom's right. You are missing a huge, there is a huge blind spot of evaluation when quarterbacks are not feeling proper fear. However, you like the idea that your quarterbacks, your franchise in effect, that they are not going to get hit. Because you don't want Tyler Bray being the backup quarterback. You don't want that. That that I can tell you that he is not in the running to be a starting quarterback. So let's not even get uh, let's not even get him in our peripheral vision. So I actually understand where they're coming from, but there's no way to argue against what you're saying. You that if they if they're not really playing football, there is evaluation that is missing. There's a fear factor. There's a real timeness that is missing. And we've have felt that effect with Mitchell Trubisky in his few years here with the Bears without have, with having barely any preseason even, even in the games that they, when they did have preseason games, because whatever was going on in practice did not translate to the season, as in Trubisky has not been the quarterback everybody thought he might be and could be, and possibly some of that is because of the what has gone on and not gone on in practice. I mean, you you see that, though, Steve. You, you don't want the quarterbacks getting hit, do you? I... I do not want the starting quarterback getting hit. <laughs> Name the starting quarterback. He doesn't get hit. I don't care about the other ones. I, I'm, I'm perplexed by this because you're, you're coming down to, it means nothing. The, the, the idea that they can't get hit, that they won't get hit, that there is no fear of getting hit or fear of executing a play within a, a what might be a shorter time than they're used to because they know they're wearing the protected jersey, is the reason you have been fooled and made to look stupid by Mitch Trubisky, a guy who practices well and then cannot execute in a game. That's what happens when the difference between not getting touched and the fear of getting hit, the fear of getting picked up, whatever it is, fear of seeing a different defense, that's what goes on. 
I don't want them to get hurt. But if you're having a true competition, you're actually having to decide who's the best under game conditions. You have to mirror game conditions, and they're not. They can't. They won't. I know for safety sake, they have to, and you're always fear when your quarterbacks get knocked down. But I don't know how else to do it unless they have the, the fear of Khalil Mack put in them. I think the Bears will have a starting quarterback in place on Monday. So here's the dealio. The Bears are having their scrimmage out at Soldier Field today. No practice open to the media tomorrow. I don't even know. They might do some stuff tomorrow, but I think tomorrow is an actual full off day. Then next week, um, starting on Monday, for that week, we have the media. We have extremely limited access, as in barely any, as in we can film or take pictures of literally men stretching, and then we have to go. So I got a feeling that, and we probably won't know who it is unless they decide to tell us, but I got a feeling that starting next week, the practices are going to get very real, and I think that they will have a starting quarterback in place at practice on Monday, and we may not even know who it is. Which will leave them two weeks to... Two weeks, two and a half weeks. How many practices would that leave before they play the Lions? Because um, so I don't know, they have September some days 13th. off. I'm just wondering how many practices. Yeah, so that that probably, I, have to be, I wish I was looking at a calendar right now. But so today is the 29th. The, the yeah, Monday's day. the 31st. So you're, you're okay. looking at, but they're not going to so, practice every day for those two weeks. So they probably have a good nine to 10 practices. Yeah, before sense. opening day is what I would say okay. off the top of my head. So All right, and, and yeah, so I, I think they ha- I think they have to have their starting quarterback in place on Monday. All right. Well, on Monday, baseball recognizes, welcomes, deals with a trade deadline. The White Sox seem to be going big name hunting, according to some rumors. We will talk to Josh Nelson of of Sox Machine about some of those names, some of those rumors. For that team that is tied for first place. This is Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. You guys are going to continue to write us off. On 1-0 from Alex. That one hog and Franco swats it to left center. Robert finds it in the alleyway. Franco takes a big turnaround first. And now he's caught up in a rundown. Got to watch the runner at third at the same time. Tag at second base is not there. Safe the call. Throw comes home and gets between the legs of Grandal and the tying run scores. Throw down to third is not in time. And the Royals have tied the game on an absolute carnival in the ninth. A few moments later. Yasmani in the air. Right field. Way back. And bring him home. Good night, guaranteed right field. Grandal walks it off, and it's 6-5. The Sox are in first place. Highlights. Courtesy of Jason Benetti, low lights. Courtesy of Jason Benetti. That's that's it. That ninth inning was your White Sox 2016, 17, 18, 19, and the bottom of the ninth was your White Sox 2020. Welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde, with you. Saturday suckage, and top of the ninth certainly was suckage. 
and then the bottom of the ninth was just heroic stuff. And the White Sox are tied for first place. Here to talk about that with us, Josh Nelson of Sox Machine. He joins us on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. Josh, it's a pretty amazing thing. The White Sox rebuild effort, Yasmani Grandal, and the whole rundown thing in the top of the ninth and the home run in the bottom of the ninth. This has been one one thrill ride that I think White Sox fans would love to see continue, and they have to get used to the happy endings. But I think they are. Are they? Uh, I think so, because it was really odd, Steve, because as you mentioned, the 2018 Chicago White Sox showed up in the top of the ninth inning, and that was just a groan watching that play unfold. It was like, Abreu, what are we doing here? Okay, you're throwing, and it goes, if you five-hole Grandal, like, this is a disaster. And, of course, Grandal walks it off with the home run uh, to lead off the bottom of the ninth, and everything is fine. Uh, This White Sox team, after their doubleheader against St. Louis, a St. Louis team that didn't play for 17 days, they were flat, and they got swept in that doubleheader, and they were 10 and 11 on the season. Since then, the White Sox have won 10 of their last 11 games. And I understand a lot of those games were against teams that are not very good, like the Tigers, the Royals, and the Pirates. But I thought they passed a pretty big test against the Chicago Cubs. And they haven't slowed down since that series. You would think that in past White Sox years that there would have been a letdown against Pittsburgh. Or maybe last night they don't win that game after being ahead 4-2 going into the seventh inning. But they find a way to lose. But having these veterans on the team, like Grandal or even Dallas Keuchel as well, uh, has really changed as far as the clubhouse dynamic. And it seems like this team, even with their young players, are figuring out how to win these ball games, And it's been a very refreshing sight. Well, and sometimes we think when it, a team is just crushing home runs that their approach at the plate is not necessarily great, that they're just trying to hit the ball over the wall. But if you look a little bit more closely, like Lewis Robert, his home run last night is opposite field. It's a good at bat, taking a pitch and then crushing one to to right field. You had the Aloy Jimenez bomb. And then the at bat that I really liked last night was Johan Moncada in the seventh inning, a 3-2 mm-hmm. count. He eventually singles to make it 5-4 socks after I don't remember how many pitches the at-bat was, but it was a good at-bat. And I think, Josh, that that is something that is going to evolve, that even these young thumpers are going to continue to have not just you know smash the ball, but good at-bats. Are you starting to see that as well? Yes, and this is something that White Sox hitting coach Frank Medichino had been harping on this team in the beginning of the season where they were around 500 and not they're struggling to score runs against Minnesota and Cleveland. A big part of that was they were hyper-aggressive early in the count. And if the ball left the hand, it just seemed like Abreu and Jimenez and Robert still, to this day, a degree, they were swinging automatically especially with runners in scoring position where the White Sox are really struggling. Well, Medikino, I think, finally got to these guys. And now they're being a little bit more selective. I don't know if you want to say patient. They're not leading the league in walk rate. But they have a better understanding of what pitches they can crush. And especially when you got a power profile like Aloy Jimenez and you can make it look so easy to go to opposite field with the home run. And then 
you, any left-handed pitcher dares throw a fastball inside. You, you can see what from last night what the type of damage Jimenez can do. He can go into the shrubbery yeah. in center field and then just crush you. And that's what these young hitters have to understand. Just because you can put the bat on the ball doesn't mean that's the pitch you need to swing at. You need to swing at the pitches that you can hit at an exit velocity of greater than 95 miles per hour. And you can hit at a certain launch angle where you can get an extra base hit or you can put the ball in the stands. And I think they're understanding that, Mark, and they're making that transition. And it's a big reason why the White Sox are second in home runs hit in Major League Baseball, one home run behind the Los Angeles Dodgers. They lead the American League in that category. And their home run differential is now plus 30. They've hit 62 homers, and they've only allowed 32 homers as a pitching staff. And that's really sparked this turnaround for this White Sox team in 2020. And we saw it last year with the Minnesota Twins, who hit 307 home runs. You put the ball in the seats, you're going to win games. We're talking with Josh Nelson of Sox Machine. We are talking White Sox here. And as long as you brought up pitching, let's bring it up, because those are the hot rumors regarding the White Sox. Yeah. Uh, we've heard Lance Lynn often. Uh, Mark Feinsend of MLB.com mentioned that rival executives are saying the Athletics and the White Sox expected to trade for a pitcher. John Morosi of MLB Network mentioned Lance Lynn earlier this morning. And then more recently, Dylan Bundy of the Angels. Dylan Bundy is having himself a career this year. So... What do you believe? What are you hoping for? At what price are you willing to go for it this year, Josh? Really good questions. Really good questions. My my target, if I was in the room with Rick Kahn advising him, would be Texas Rangers starter Lance Lynn. And the reason is, is that Lynn, just by looking at his stats, has been throwing the ball really well. He's got a sub-2 ERA. And he's doing a terrific job, especially with ba- runners on, on the bases right now. He's got like a left on base percentage above 90%, which is ridiculous. There's nothing that scares you uh, as far as even the advanced metrics. His FIP is a little bit above three. Uh, so the sub two ERA is believable. And as far as his stuff, I mean, it's a 95 mile per hour fastball. And he's got this great cutter to pair with it. And you can count on him to get the ball every fifth day and give you at least 100 pitches. He can go deep into games for you. And that's, that's where the White Sox need some help right now. Ronaldo Lopez and Dylan Cease are exciting arms. But it seems like when they get to the fourth or fifth inning, things start to really slow down for them. And you start wondering, do you need to make a change into the bullpen? And the White Sox, we don't know who's starting tomorrow yet, but there's really not even a fifth starter. So what this team would really like to have to finish out 2020 is a dependable third guy that can give the ball and they can trust can go at least six innings to help spare the bullpen. And I think Lance Lynn is that guy. Now the thing about Lynn and Dylan Bundy, both are under team control for next year. And the one thing I think in the next 48 hours we're going to hear a lot about is GMs do not know if their bosses, the owners, are going to allow them to spend freely this upcoming offseason because of significant profit losses. And the White Sox might be in that situation because they spent a lot of money this offseason. 
And Jerry Reinstorf talked to Bob Nightingale and told Bob that, you know, significant profit losses in the nine figures uh, for both the White Sox and the Bulls. So if Rick is going to be strapped for cash because his boss is not going to open up the checkbook like he did uh, this past winter, if he can add a Lance Lynn or Dylan Bundy, that helps take care of a need that the team has in 2021. So he's killing two birds with one stone if he decides to make that type of move. Is This helps me in 2020 to get to the postseason, maybe win the American League Central, and have a deep run into the playoffs. But this definitely helps me in 2021 to help shape out the starting staff. And if Michael Kopech decides that he wants to play baseball in 2021, I still have starting pitching depth to figure out the back end of the rotation. But a Giolito, Keuchel, and Lynn to lead off the starting rotation, that looks pretty good. Right, and I, I've been saying, God bless him. I think that he's there's still value in him down the road, just not this year. I'm done with Ronaldo Lopez, and it's, it's, <laughs> it's only because of the nature of this season. He is not hitting his spots. He is exactly the type of guy who you do not want pitching in a postseason where things can go no. wrong quickly. Do you agree with that? Am I am I being too dramatic on him at this point? You're, you're, you're not being dramatic, Mark. I, I think Ronaldo Lopez is toast as a starting pitcher. Like, we need to stop trying to make this happen. I understand that you try to make it happen last year. You're in a rebuilding year. But now as this team enters into their competitive window, you're just going to need to give up on guys. I mean, Carlos Rodon's another one. Is yeah. Carlos Rodon physically fit enough to be a starting pitcher? No. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know the answer to that, and I don't think he is. I mean, he's going to try to throw 60 pitches tomorrow in Schaumburg as he tries to ramp up and rejoin the team. So, I mean, these are some of the difficult conversations Rick Hahn has to have. And, you know, the one thing that every team that enters from going from rebuild and competitive mode, and the Chicago Cubs had to go through this too, is that the guys that you love as prospects, when it's time to win, you got to make some really difficult choices on them. And part of the reason why the White Sox are looking for starting pitching is because you cannot trust Ronaldo Lopez as a starting pitcher right now. Uh, so I think for for you, Mark, I'm in the same boat. If Lopez is still on this White Sox team, I think he's got to move to the bullpen where you have him throw an inning and hopefully that he could focus through that inning and provide you a productive result, a positive result. But I don't think he's part of the White Sox starting pitching plans moving forward. Well, Mark hopes that, that that's the case, or at least for, for this year. And the idea of Giolito, Keuchel, and either Bundy or Lance Lynn, if you're looking at a playoff series, oh, my God. That's that's right there. Now, I don't know how they're going to hit because they're facing other teams' equally good rotations, but I love that idea. I just love that. Uh, the, the growth I've seen and we've all seen in Giolito, and then what Keuchel does is just exactly what you would hope to see. That would be a tremendous three in any kind of series to open up with it that would look good in the American League when you're going to be facing a DH no matter where you go, don't you think? And as good as, the, as good as the White Sox look like they're going to be in the next five to seven years with the base, this still might, you have to look at it as this might be your best opportunity to get back to the World Series. Like, it may not happen ever again, and I, I get it. it prob- they probably will be in position, 
But man, you got to figure out where to to get some cash, get that money, and make make a trade because this is you got to go for it right now if you're the White Sox. And and I mean I agree with both of you on this because watch what's happening in the East between the Rays and the Yankees. They have they have great teams on the injured list, and some of these yeah, it's like are a body back. count. It's a mash unit on both those in the American right. League East. Right. So we don't know we don't know where teams are going to be health wise as we enter in the postseason. Like on paper, you may want to say, well, the White Sox are not as strong as the Yankees, so they shouldn't try too hard. But if the Yankees don't have Aaron Judge and John Carl Stanton in the middle of that lineup, well, now the dynamic certainly changes as far as the postseason <laughs> outlook for the White Sox, and maybe you should try to push more chips into the middle, not necessarily go all in, but it improve your odds. And uh, Steve, you asked the question, who would you give up as far as somebody for like Lance Lynn? I don't think they're in the mood right now, the White Sox, to move Andrew Vaughn or Michael Kopech, because those two have been part of their plans for a really long time. What about but Dane someone, Dunning? Well, Dane Dunning could be. Uh, they gave him, they gave every team an opportunity to see what he could do in the major league level. And he pitched just as well as the number one pick Casey Mize did. And that might entice a team like Texas where, okay, we'll give you Lance Lynn, Dane Dunning. Congratulations. You are now part of our starting pitching staff. Mm. And they may include Jonathan Stever, who's got really great stuff. uh, A fringe top 100 prospect, uh, depending on the prospect analyst that you talk to. Uh, really close as far as the breakthrough on those lists, throws 95 to 98. Again, a, a power pitcher profile. He could be involved in talks. Uh, I've been hearing that the White Sox, if you want him, Mike Adolfo could be available because he may not be able to make the 40-man roster next year. A really interesting prospect. Teams know him very well because the White Sox signed him at 16. Uh, great physique. He's got a lot of power in the bat, but the, the injury history is kind of damning at this moment. Uh, can he stay healthy enough? It might be a worth enough flyer, but yeah, if you call up Texas and you offer Dunning, Stever, and Adolfo, is that enough to beat out the Atlanta Braves who might pick up the phone and call the Rangers and, and try to get Lance Lynn? Well, I don't I, know, guys, I, 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 would, I, I would give up Andrew Vaughn in a heartbeat. And uh, and the reason I say that is a couple of reasons. You see, you got to bray you for a couple more years under his contract, and it appears that you will get maximum production out of him for a couple more years. And I do think you can find that type of player in the draft or throughout bait. It's not that hard to find power-hitting, competent first baseman. And, yeah, I like the upside of Andrew Vaughn, where they drafted him and all that kind of stuff. But I, I, I think of him, and you guys can tell me if you disagree, he seems to me to be expendable. I think with Vaughn, my idea, Mark, is you let Encarnacion go next year. He's got a club option for $12 million. And if I can't spend that $12 million, that's fine. I'll have Andrew Vaughn replace him, and can I keep some of that cash to bring James McCann back? That's kind of mm, like the mm, okay. the financial gymnastics that Rick Hahn's going to have to play this offseason. Jerry Reinsdorf says that you can't spend as much money as you did last year. Uh, so I, 
You're right. As far as the profile for Andrew Vaughn, you can find guys like Andrew Vaughn. But the thing about Andrew Vaughn is that he's cheap, really cheap for the next three to four years. And you may not find guys like him that are that cheap over the next three to four years. So that's why he's a, he's a bit valuable. Um, But that's kind of how I would go about it. And that's why I think the White Sox would keep Vaughn at the moment. He may be in their plans for next year to replace Encarnacion. That makes sense. All right, Josh, uh, great stuff. Love talking with you. Thank you for joining us. Look forward to talking to you again. I hope you have an eventful Monday. (laughs) Thank you so much, guys. Have a great weekend. See you, man. Josh Nelson of Sox Machine. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll go to Soldier Field where we'll talk to Chris Emma. The Bears are practicing. He'll be able to tell us nothing, but the Bears are practicing. (laughs) He'll tell us nothing because the Bears don't want you to know how much their roster sucks. We'll talk to Chris Emma after this. Saturday suckage. We suck so you don't have to. The Bears, though, are in the running for challenging our greatness in that area. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome and welcome back. Steve Rosen with Mark Rody with you, Saturday Suckage. Next hour, we'll do What Are You Doing, Wagner? And we'll get a Trash Panda update from the Trash Panda himself. Right now, though, Sweet. we're going to the Alpamonte Ford hotline. Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. We're going to go out to Soldier Field. We're going to talk to the scores. Chris Emma, the Bears, are going through a controlled spin- scrimmage. Chris, you can't tell us anything, so I guess the Bears still suck. Is that where we are with this? Yeah, I can uh, maybe confirm that. Cannot confirm, cannot deny, actually. No, it's uh, <laughs> we'll a later at 670thescore.com, but uh, it's a lovely, breezy day here along the lakefront. Okay, the Bears are going through this controlled scrimmage, and they, the control they're keeping over the media is you can't report anything because we'll, <laughs> we'll wait, wait till afterwards. But what has transpired this week, let's start with this. The old saying goes, when you have two quarterbacks, you have none. And then if you have two kickers, you have an embarrassing GM. So from your standpoint, what is going on with that to further hamstring the coach and further expose the GM as not being capable? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch here as the Bears get now two weeks away from the regular season opener in Detroit. Uh, Cairo Santos is the kicker as of the moment with Eddie Pinheiro nursing a groin injury. Uh, the Bears have said they're going to carry two kickers, which makes sense given the state of uncertainty surrounding the season and specific to NFL rosters. So they will either store Santos on the practice squad or on the 53, but there's also the possibility that this could become more of a competition that the Bears are letting on because Santos is somewhat sharp in practice, and Pinheiro, you know, it's a kicker with a groin injury. You don't want him to be risking injury that affects his kicking ability. So um, we'll see if Eddie is able to get back on the field here soon. But if not, this is going to become a competition fast, and Pinheiro's job is in jeopardy. Hey, Emma, I know you can't talk about what you're seeing on the field with the players, but what has the atmosphere been like? Has it been game day-ish at all in terms of a scoreboard ticking out there, a PA guy, anything in terms of, like, game day operations? Tell us about your surroundings, sir. Well, I am currently in the severe weather shelter area where there is uh, no noise and it's kind of a little bunker here. It's the one quiet place I could find here at Soldier Field because <laughs> the Bear Raid siren is rocking throughout ah. along the lakefront. If you are on a boat out there right now in Lake Michigan, you might be terrified hearing it. 
Uh, the music is pumping. The DJ is working uh, really hard today because they are creating a game-like atmosphere. The crowd noise is pumping in, and ah. it is loud in there. In fact, I was going to do this call from the concourse, and it was so loud I would not have been able to hear anything you guys say. So live from the severe weather shelter area, it's the one quiet place you can find here. <laughs> Wow! Nice. Look at that. We're getting quite the quite the report. That's that's excellent. <laughs> guy who's not allowed to say anything. We're talking with Chris Emma of the Score. He is out at Soldier Field where the Bears are running through a controlled scrimmage. Earlier this week, when they were they were running through, Allen Robinson hasn't practiced, and and that is both bad and good. It's bad that it's there's no Allen Robinson. It's good that other guys will have a chance to show what they can do. I don't know if it comes down to Javon Wims versus Riley Ridley, but but is there, if you had to rank everybody after Allen Robinson, what's the order of likelihood? What is the what does that monarchy and line of succession look like? Yeah, I guess just to start with Robinson, the Bears keep saying they expect him to be ready for Week One. Uh, the closer we get to week one without him on the field, I question that. I'm uh, curious about that one myself. But for now, you look at it as an opportunity for guys like Anthony Miller, Javon Williams, Riley Ridley, Darnell Mooney. Um, and to your question, Rosie, it's, you know, Miller is the guy you want to see step up. He's in year three, and he's the guy you hope is atop that list you were just seeking. Um, he's seeking consistency still in year three, which is frustrating for the Bears, uh, certainly frustrating for the receivers coach, Mike Burry. And that means opportunities. I, I put Javon Wins at number two on that list and Ridley at number three. And Mooney's impressed me. It's a kid who's coming from a lower level of college football. And he had inconsistencies with his career, but he's fast. He has the tools. And he's somebody Matt Nagy could possibly mix into a role if he shows a readiness. So, uh, but Wins is the guy I've been paying attention to. Um, he looks like a different receiver. He looks a lot more confident than his first years in the league. And he's a guy who really seems to be developing well. That's interesting you say that. I'm surprised that you have him, Javon Wims, ahead of Riley Ridley. And I only say that because it just feels like that Ridley, because he was a fourth-round pick and because Wims has not been everything that they thought, well, he, he was a seventh-round pick, so I don't know what they actually thought they were going to get out of him. But <laughs> you think you think he's uh, he's ahead of Riley Ridley, eh, Emma? I think they're very close. I put him slightly ahead of Riley Ridley. But to your point on Ridley, this is a kid who now is entering a different part of his career now. That second year, you have the rookie hurdles under your belt. And he's a guy that the coaches have raved about. Mike Furry has spoken about this kid being a potential breakout player for the Bears. Uh, this is his opportunity now with Allen Robinson sidelined. It's, it's really time for Riley Ridley to step up and earn that kind of role. Uh, and he's competing right there with his former Georgia Bulldog teammate in Javon Wims. Uh, I, I put them very similar to each other in terms of those rankings, but I give Wims the slight edge right now because he's got that extra year under his belt. Fair enough. Any indication from the coaches or any way reading between the lines of who's winning the cornerback battle opposite Kyle Fuller? You know, that's going to be – it should be Jalen Johnson's job ultimately. Uh, the Bears drafted this kid really believing in his pedigree at Utah, the experience playing 
at a high level of college football in the Pac-12. And uh, three years started there with the Utes. And he's somebody the Bears really believed can ultimately earn that job. They drafted him in late April knowing that this was going to be a truncated offseason and certainly now a truncated preseason. So uh, the reps are limited. He's coming off shoulder surgery in March. But he's looked apart. He looks smart out there. You can sense he has that knowledge of where the ball is going. Uh, the coaches have spoken of his ability to study, similar to Kyle Fuller, who's got the best study habits of anybody in that Bears locker room. So this is a kid who gets it. Uh, the talent is certainly there, and I would certainly bet on him being the starter for week one. Oh, yeah. Okay, so here, here's what I'm thinking, Emma. Check me out on this. Here's what I think. I think that for the first set of downs against Detroit, it'll be Kevin Tolliver, but they will quickly – work in Jalen Johnson, just the way they've done with cornerbacks in the past where you start to see them get a series here or there. But but you think that uh, Jalen Johnson – I mean, I like what you're saying. You you think Jalen Johnson, boom, he's the starter September 13th in Detroit. I, I do. And I, I don't think it's beneficial for young players in Tolliver, who's only 24, and a guy like Johnson is a rookie, to be rotating and to be dealing with – you know, whether it's a different series or alternating within plays. I just don't think that's beneficial for you know, two young players trying to get established within the league. Uh, this has to be a competition. The Bears have preached competition in the secondary. I think it has to be winner-take-all for that starting spot. Chris, we appreciate your reporting on stuff you can't report on. Thank you very much for, <laughs> that's what I'm here sharing, for. Thank you, guys. sharing with us. Hey, so real quick, that, Chris, real yeah. quick, real quick. How, how long can you tell us how long the practice goes so we could look forward to seeing your tweets on what did happen? <laughs> yeah, we're looking at a just over two hours practice, look about 2.30 or so. Maggie speaks after that, along with both quarterbacks. So 670thescore.com, plenty of coverage to come. Cool, All man. Right. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate you joining us. So that's uh, the Bears controlled scrimmage. They're really controlling information. They don't want you to know how much they suck until they get the TV money. Then you'll know how much they suck. We'll take a break. When we come back, we will do, we will go to our favorite segment. What are you doing, Wagner? And the trash panda is supposedly on the other end of one of these microphones. We have to, we have some quizzing to do of him. And we have, um, among the other items in what are you doing, Wagner, is we have a, a WB Club legend loss. It's sad. Oh, yeah, no. we do. We do. Uh-oh. And oh, no. anniversary of a um, anniversary of a a legendary album that was. I had no idea it was Last Gasp, but it went from Last Gasp to legendary. That's that's a hell of a thing. You want to talk about rallying? That's a hell of a thing. And I will keep you in suspense too as to who the Cubs. 29th man is for today's doubleheader against the Cincinnati Reds, which you could hear on the score today starting at 210. So stand by. Stand by for that. He's Mark Grody. I'm Steve Rosenblum, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.